The conference finals are in full swing and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders that's big time here in Phoenix are separated from the pretenders to give you some skin in the game. DraftKings will be offering free to play pools every day. Of the basketball playoffs offering players a free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes. Yep. That's right. Up to $10,000 in total prizes are up for grab each day. The best part, it is completely free to play. The DraftKings free to play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, Go to pools and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from what team will hit the most three-pointers to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to get free your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Tim Kitzer here, the voice of NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. Welcome to the Solar Panel. Tonight's matchup, Espo versus the Silver Fox versus Carmel Thunder. Boomer Shakalaka. Ahoy, ahoy. Hello and welcome everybody to another edition of the Solar Panel, whether you're watching us live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, VHS Cassette. Uh, rabbit ears on your TV, where, wherever you are, or where you're, ever you're listening to us on the podcast, we appreciate you, the Flaming Ballers, more than you know. I am your host, Greg Esposito. Ahoy, hoy. Joining me, as always, is the Silver Fox. He is a man, a myth, and a legend. He is a Dave King. Dave, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I've listened to Vince Murata so much uh, at doing PA announcing over the last few weeks that now I I, I feel like I have now to give it a little really bit gonna extra. Talk like that. That's right. And now, the Carmel Thunder from down under, Saul Bookman. Saul, how are you? Good. Uh, I don't have anything clever to say this morning, so uh, carry on. Little known fact, I actually did PA announcing down in Tucson at the U of A, so... It's not the first time I've ever had to uh, for sound what sport? like that. For what sport? Uh, for women's uh, soccer, uh, I did softball, and I did baseball. Huh, look at that. Jody Ayler's understudy, actually. Small world. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, just random <laughs> facts this morning. Not, not, that anybody's here, <laughs> not that anybody's here for uh, random facts about Espo. That it would be the worst hour in podcast history and to prevent us from having the worst hour in podcast <laughs> history we have brought in a very special guest this morning she's been on the show before and we love her for it because she's uh, willing to come back again it is gina mizell from sons.com gina good morning from milwaukee how are you hello welcome to my wonderful 
hotel room. There's like a <laughs> casual mirror over I here. Know. Yeah. <laughs> it's I've a seen, We've seen it's worse. A... So good. Yeah, good no, I, I shouldn't complain. It's, it's a very no, nice Dave, Dave has absolutely seen worse. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> we <can> promise <laughs> you that. You got the presidential suite with the leather, faux leather. Um, <laughs> right. I know. Uh, this is like a very nice. It's, yeah. yeah. He's, he's usually in the motel, not the hotel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I couldn't. I was telling you guys before we started, though, I like it's a cloudy day and the windows are very oddly placed in this room so like if i if i put my computer on the desk i'm incredibly dark so i'm sitting on the bed because that's like the only place that seems to have some natural light coming in so anyway all's good though it's we were just talking about how this has been such a crazy well i was gonna say crazy week but crazy playoff time um but we're just i think all riding the wave right now that's what i we're keep all telling riding the wave exactly Gina, that is not the worst hotel room somebody from Suns.com has done a podcast in. I spent two weeks in uh, the the pyramid shaped hotel the in Luxor. Las Vegas for summer league. Yes, the uh, yeah, and uh, the Luxor uh, for, the for two so weeks wait, wait. for summer league. So the pinnacle of Espo's uh, Suns.com career is working from the Vegas hotel room for summer league. I did the not say that was the pinnacle. Gina's, yeah, that's the pinnacle. And then the pinnacle of Gina's sons.com career is the NBA freaking finals. Yeah. Let's compare these careers. I I <laughs> I have nothing to do with this. <laughs> so, and I'm just Timing, writing, writing Timing is everything. Everything. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But grateful to be here. Um, it's yeah, what a run this has been. I mean, I know we'll we'll dive deeper into it, but I feel like the, I think the last time I was on um, was when was it? Was it after? Was During it the Nugget series. It was yeah, the Nugget series. Nugget series because I'm like the only human on the planet who has covered both the teams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but everything that's happened since then, it's just man, what a ride we're all on. Hey, it, to be fair, I covered two championship games in my summer league run uh, with with the team, but the, summer league championships. G oh yeah. <laughs> Gina, when, remember, uh, when I'm you, sorry, Espo, sorry, Espo. Remember when the summer league championship team was like, we were actually sitting there thinking this core <laughs> could win an NBA championship or could be a playoff. Well, no, it depends on which, it depends on which year you're talking about, Dave. If you're talking about the 2018 summer league team, then maybe. I never thought that, Dave. So, uh, I did. I convinced myself. <laughs> so, so, Gina, you mentioned how crazy this ride has been since we, since we last talked to you. What has has stood out to you most in in the Western Conference Finals and through the first two games in the NBA Finals? Uh, what what has just stuck out to you so far? Yeah, a lot of things. I think, and this sounds like a cliche answer, but the fact that it is seemingly, it, it can be, it can come at you from so many different ways when you just look at the the caliber of this team, whether it's, you know, what, what Chris Paul did in game six of the Western Conference Finals was just, it was insane. Like I, I kept, I kept talking to people like in that break between the finals started. And I was like, I don't think I fully processed that the Suns are in the finals. But when I was watching Chris Paul do what he did in game six, like that very much slapped me. And I was like, I am witnessing one of the greatest individual playoff wow. performances in recent history, just because of not just what he was doing on the floor, but what it meant to his career. And that was just to be, to be in the building for that was just like one of those moments that you're like, I feel genuinely lucky and grateful that I got to watch this. And then in the finals, it's just been, Again, whether it's DeAndre Ayton and the performance he put up, again, Chris Paul in his second half, 
book what he did in game two, Mikhail Bridges and his great performance. It's like, it's again, it's just, it's coming from somewhere different every single time. And if, if you're the Bucks, like, I mean, the Bucks yeah. are a great team, but like, what do you try to stop? Cause it just, it feels like then, okay, you, you honed in on, on DeAndre Ayton. Okay. Well, Mikhail Bridges goes out and does this. Okay. You're trying to, you're going to run this coverage or you're going to run this lineup out there. You're going to go small. Well, then this is good. They're going to counter with this. It's just, it, it's, it's funny because Chris has talked so much this season about this is a team and this is a consummate team. And now we're seeing it on a national stage that, yeah, if you just have a lot of really good players, then it's you can win a championship and obviously they've got the two stars and in, in Booker and and Chris and and you know DeAndre it's played amazingly in the playoffs but it's all those complimentary pieces too that have seemed to kind of step up in those big moments and, and that's really stood out to me you know what's really shocked me is that uh the stat that Booker and Chris Paul have the most points by a starting backcourt in the first two games of a finals ever ever yep not just their first finals any finals right right and and you've got to just sit there and just think how is that even possible that steph curry and clay thompson didn't score more in any of their five Mm -hmm. finals that they were in five consecutive finals that they were in in the first two games of any of those finals than these two in these first two and you just you start to realize just how special this team is because it should be easy to shut down a couple of guys or one of the guys in the first two games, which is, you know, the Warriors never, like I said, Steph and, and Clay never scored that many. But you can't because then just DeAndre Eaton goes and does this or Mikel Bridges goes and does this, and then they still get their points anyway because these guys are so special. The Suns are being given um, – you know, starless or whatever they're, you know, there's, oh, they're winning on depth and not star power. Well, that's pretty good star power. Yeah. And, and it's, again, it can happen in different ways. Like you look at book and, you know, in game one, he sort of manufactured his points mm -hmm. with, with 10 free throws. And then in game two, he hits seven threes and has no free throws. And so it just, it shows you what a multidimensional score that he is. And then, yeah, Chris in the pick and roll, it's just, okay, if you're going to give me that that little elbow jumper, I'll take it. And, okay, if you're going to, you know, leave DeAndre open, roll into the basket, then I'll, then I'll get it to him. So it's just, it's such a, again, not to use a cliche term, but it's such a pick your poison type situation. But, yeah, that stat is, when I saw that after the game on, on, on whatever night that was, I came to Thursday, yeah. um, Thursday, yes, again, days and time and space don't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm like, it's Saturday, right? It is Saturday, yes. I, that, it was just like, wow, that's, and, and you think yeah. of not just, Steph and Clay, but you think of like any any backcourt duo ever, like just literally ever, and they're, they're doing something historic. So, um, and it sort of not to plug my own stuff, but I've been working on a piece about Book and and Chris and kind of their partnership, and so um, that I need to get my you know what in gear and get it ready for Game Three. It's almost it's all it, it'll be ready for Game Three, but this is like the perfect time to drop it because it, it's just it sort of captures this season long journey that these two guys have been on to, you know, become this lethal backcourt, not just on the court with what they're able to do, but with their leadership, with the impact on their teammates. Um, it's just, it's been pretty remarkable. And yeah, now they're doing it on the biggest stage.
Gina, talk me off the ledge here because I feel like I might have a bit of pessimism about me right now. Okay. Um, I've been so like, everything's going to be okay for the Suns. And right now I have this uneasy feeling about the fact that we're going back to Milwaukee and and we have not seen the bu- the Bucks' best punch. We have seen Giannis's best punch, but we have not seen the Bucks as a team right. uh, play like they are capable of. Um, how's that not going to happen in Milwaukee in, in your estimation? What are the Suns going to continue to do to prevent Chris Middleton and, and Drew Holiday from getting on track fully um, and the Bucks getting back in this series? Yeah, well, I mean, again, you just got to try to limit things, I think, if you're the Suns, which, yeah, do I think Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are going to shoot as terribly as they have in game one and two? No, I would think that would eventually level out. But do I think DeAndre Ayton's going to be totally invisible for the mo- except for those last few minutes again? No, I don't think. Like you, you look at some stats from Game Two, and you're like, okay, one of these or a couple of these have to have to break. Whether it's the Suns probably aren't going to shoot twenty for forty from three again. Uh, DeAndre Ayton's probably not going to have that type of quiet performance again. Um, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are, you know, not going to shoot that poorly, but is Giannis going to drop 42 and 12? Maybe he'll have 30 and 30 and 10, but is he going to have that level of performance? And, and so, yeah, it's going to be a matter of which of those kind of levels out or which sort of comes back to earth a little bit, how many of those do, and maybe what takes its place essentially. So yeah, I mean the the performance we saw from Giannis in game two, again, that's where you're like, wow, this is this is like, you know, elite level, championship level stuff. And the fact that the Suns were able to withstand that, I think says a lot about this team and just that they just figure it out. They just figure out a way, you know, you look back in the Clippers series and you know, that you can't score for five minutes. Okay, well, we'll also make sure the Clippers don't score for five minutes and they never get over the hump and take the lead in, in that game four. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I expect the Bucks will play well at home. You know, they've obviously got the great crowd. You've seen the, the fans that gather outside the arena every night, and I'm sure it'll be a great energy inside the building. And, I mean, they're already going to be in kind of a desperation mode, right? Because you go down 3-0 in the finals and, and – I think you feel pretty good if you're the Suns about your chances. So I expect the the Bucks to come out desperate. Yeah, yeah I mean they're yeah. they're going to come out they're going to come out really desperate tomorrow. And so um, the Suns have seen that throughout the playoffs, especially I feel like in Game Five against the Clippers. So um, you would hope that they wouldn't be caught, you know, flat footed or caught with a you know a lack of energy coming out of the gate, especially with all that's on the line. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm. Interested to see how this looks, but again, the the whole saying is that the series doesn't start until the the road team wins a game. So if you even just come over here and split, you got to feel good about coming back for which is which is the dumbest uh, scenario ever. Like if the Suns win Game Three, the series didn't start. It's just about over. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I mean, again, obviously it would be wonderful to sweep the series if you're the Suns, but. Um, the Bucks are really good, and so every fans, I would say, pump the brakes a little bit. If, if the Bucks happen to win tomorrow, it's not the end of the world. But it's it's like what you said, Saul. It's a matter of like looking at what unfolds during the game and, and what that could potentially mean. I I would say my my biggest concern, or the, I think the biggest thing to watch with the Suns moving forward, is just now with with Tory Craig's situation a little uncertain. What does that front court continue to look like? <laughs> With with Dario out, with Craig potentially out tomorrow, or at least hobbled, you know, not a hundred percent. Just like where do they try to go 
to to fill those minutes when DeAndre's on the bench. So that could potentially be something worth monitoring as well. But you know, the Bucks have injuries too, and guys that won't play in this series. So that's sort of where I, where I stand there. Yeah, when when you look at what uh, Coach Budenholzer has done from the Bucks' perspective defensively in Game One and Game Two, do you think he has any real adjustments left? I mean, he's tried multiple he's different things. things. Yeah. Is, is this just simply the Suns' offense is too potent? There's too many options where they can score, and that he's going to have to stick to one of the things he's doing and hope that the Suns. Uh, have missteps rather than uh, them really stopping uh, stopping the Suns' offense? Yeah, and you have just seen them attack in so many different ways, whether it's Aiton, whether it's the three-point shot, whether it's the mid-range. Well, you know, it's, it is kind of one of those weapons where so many defenses in the league these days, it's designed to stop the rim and to stop the three-point shot. And so when you leave the mid-range, Chris Paul and Devin Booker are just going like this, right? They're like, yes, okay, <laughs> you know, fine. Give, give us those pull-ups all day, every day. But – I mean, yeah, it's like, do you, do you try to leave those threes open and, and, and trust or, or believe that, okay, well, the Suns surely aren't going to make 23s again. Well, what if they do? Or what if, you know, then if maybe those don't, don't fall, can they go to another avenue? So, yeah, it's when this offense is rolling the way that it is, I mean, that possession at the end of the first half when the ball, I think it was nine or 10 passes, like, that's this offense at its best and that's when it's really clicking and when it's really rolling and you saw guys pass up good shots to get a great shot and and that's that's a situation where it, it is tough to stop and and sometimes you just don't make shots and so that that certainly could be a situation that happens for the Suns at some point in this series where just you don't get enough shots to fall but they're creating and they're generating a lot of really good looks and so it, I think that just that is what makes this offense so tough to stop and the Bucks defense is no slouch I mean they've been the best defense in the playoffs up until this point and so the fact that they're doing this against a Bucks defense and a Bucks defense that didn't have Giannis for a couple of games um you know that's that's what I think has maybe been the most impressive thing about what they've done so far in the finals I'm actually excited about what you said about how the how the Bucks can make some adjustments to win a game there because man if the, the Suns have to win the finals on their home court. They just <laughs> have to. I'm sick of them winning away right. from Phoenix. They right. got a clinch with 20,000 screaming delirious fans and have that trophy celebration right on their home court. Jay Crowder and the whole team break out in salsa dancing as they're getting that trophy. That whole thing has got to be on the home court. So please, 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 sons, split, split the series. <laughs> And then come back and win in game five. Split the split the Bucks games and come back and win a game five. No, I know you guys no. are worried about karma. I get no. it. But my karma is them winning on the road. That's bad karma. They gotta win at home. I don't yeah. care if they win on Mars. They just win. That's all that matters, right? Win in some, you know, random gym in, you know, nowhere, Wisconsin. I don't know. But yeah, it I mean, I do feel like this crowd that we've witnessed deserves to like celebrate a championship or celebrate any sort of series win. And, and we thought we were maybe going to get it in game five of that Clippers series. And you, you could feel yeah. that crowd was just like, they were ready. so ready. They were so ready to explode. And then yeah. they, they got to the, actually, I feel like the loudest the crowd has been was during that game when the Suns were making their run. And then, you know, Paul George did what he does and, and that, you know, yeah. kind of dissipated fairly quickly, but it's it's gonna it's gonna reach that fever pitch and man yeah game five would be absolutely bananas if, if there was a, if there was an opportunity to win the championship there but again like you said 
gotta gotta at least split these games but also I think they would be okay with winning winning both but I don't know and this is not trying me trying to be pessimistic or anything but it's like the Bucks are really damn good and so <laughs> if they get a game in the if don't they play get with your food game, yeah like it's not the end of the world and I would not yeah. be surprised if it happened just because good teams win good win games against other good teams it, it happens so I feel like this we've been spoiled with you know, nine playoff wins in a row and, and the way they closed out the Lakers and then swept the Nuggets and then took control of the Clippers series. It's like there, there's going to be some bouts of adversity at, at some point or some some things where then the Suns are going to have to make adjustments, I feel like. And But again, certainly sweeping would be great. But again, don't 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 be shocked if if the Bucks are able to, to snag one on their home floor, given everything that's, you know, in their favor right now. I just I just yeah. feel like I just feel like offensively um, for the Bucks. There's two things that they could do. They could play uh, Brooke Lopez more. Um, I, I do feel like he's more of a threat on offense mm -hmm. than anybody else that they're pulling into the game to try and match up with the Suns, even though he's a defensive liability from the mid-range. Uh, I understand that, but I don't know. When he's playing 11 minutes in a game, I think, okay, well, you, you need to play Brooke Lo Lopez a little bit more. The other thing is, and somebody pointed out in the chat, uh, Ralph Amsden did, uh, Drew Holiday. I don't know what Coach Bud is thinking, but uh, him picking up full court and attacking the basket as hard as he did in game two, I just feel like it wore him out. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't as efficient as he could be. And so those are the two adjustments if I was the Bucks that I would make and say, hey, hey Saul, I'm sorry. Are you talking about what are you are you saying play Brooke more? He's been playing 30 minutes a game. I thought he played like just under 20 the other night. Uh, 28. But what you, what I think probably what you mean is he needs to be a bigger presence offensively, right? He was so yes. good in five and six of the last series against Atlanta when Giannis was out. It was almost unstoppable, and he used to be a twenty point scorer. He used to be a multi time All Star, offensive player, and he convert he morphed himself into a defensive and three point uh, specialist kind of guy over the years. But yeah, no, you're right. the The worry here would be that Brooke Lopez figures out how to or the Mike Budenholzer figures out how to get Brooke Lopez offensively involved. Yeah, playing playing random basketball isn't going to get it done there, Coach. Yeah, yeah, I don't know yeah. Yeah, screwback clip or not, but that was. I'll take ridiculous. that. I just had to ask about the minutes thing because he has been playing minutes. He just doesn't do anything when he's out there. Yeah. You guys have a question for Gina, or are you guys? No, that was, that, was, that was my observation. Sorry. Okay. Well, Gina, I have a, <laughs> I have a question for Wait. you, Gina, since uh, I don't want you to just have to sit yeah, here and listen to these two no, guys. Fine. <laughs> He's one of us now. Espo, geez. <laughs> uh, so you you grew up in this town, uh, you know. I've I've told the story about uh, you know Al McCoy being a big influence on me getting in this business. I know Al uh, holds a special place for you as well. What do you think it would mean to see him get that title for, for you, but, and also for Al as well? Yeah. Well, I mean, you talk about somebody who's been, is, is anyone, you know, you can, th you can think of a few radio voices or broadcasters or people in his position who are, you know, as connected to their team or, or some, what's the word I'm looking for, you know, synonymous, that's the word, synonymous with our organization, you know, he's, he's in the category of, of, Vince, of Vince Scully or a Chick Hearn or, or people like that. And so even, uh, you know, when you watch those, if, if fans watching, if, the, if you've been to a game, you know, the intro video, it's always starts with him, like talking about 
the last game or the last series or whatever. And you just hear his velvety buttery voice. And it's just like, this is like all is right in the world. And Al McCoy is talking about the Suns in the finals or, or winning game one or, or, you know, beating this team or, or whatnot. And so, yeah, with, with everything that he has seen, especially, you know, kind of going through the last decade and, and, you know, not the best basketball and, and sort of sticking around and, and wanting to, to still do this and still be fulfilled by the work um, to, he, it would be the ultimate reward for, for him and for a lot of, you know, longtime employees who have, who have stuck through a lot of good and a lot of not so good in, in the past decade. So, yeah, no, I, I've shared the story a few times that, you know, growing up here, uh, one of my first, when I was on my high school newspaper staff, we, I don't even remember what the project was, but somehow like a friend of a friend knew Al and me and one of my classmates, we went and, in, and interviewed him. And like, why the heck was he allowing like a 16 year old <laughs> kid with like probably like a notebook and like so nervously asking him questions, but he could not have been nicer to us. Um, I remember the story ran. It was one of those I can things. I totally imagine I you 16 year old Gina with your little notebook. <laughs> yeah, it's probably exactly what you would think. Uh, but so ever since then, and, and then I remember my first time coming back to Phoenix when I covered the Nuggets, um, I walked into the media room and uh, he was in there with him and Scott Bordeaux were, were just chatting. And I like, were, I guess like worked up the courage, which now seems so silly because now I, Al and I know each other pretty well. It's like I worked up the courage to like go say hi and before I could even like mention anything to him, um, he was talking about how he like would, you know, you would read the clips every day from, you know, the, the team that was the opponent that was coming in. And so he had like said that he had read whatever story I'd written in the Denver Post that day or the day before. And like that was just like, what? It was the like, that's just those are like those moments where you're like, what is my life right now? So and now Al and I, anytime we see each other, it's like it's like we're old pals, which is just really crazy. So to, um, to kind of, to have that relationship, like, again, that's why, that's part of why this is so special for me too, is just because this is, I mean, like, like all of us, like, this is like Phoenix is, is my, my place. My family's there watching, mm -hmm. watching my family and friends and people like the other day I'm getting off topic. I'm getting on a tangent, but before game one, I was walking to our media seats and I was coming through the tunnel and coming up the stairs was like a brother and sister that like I went to high school with that I seriously have not seen in like probably 10 or 15 years. Mm -hmm. And we just had that moment like, Oh my gosh. And that's not going to happen to me anywhere else that I've lived in my career because I didn't live there for long enough. I don't, didn't have childhood friends there. I, you know, I had friends that I made, um, you know, while I was living there, but you just, you don't have that same connection. So all of that to say, uh, yeah, this is pretty cool for me personally. Um, but most importantly for somebody like an Al McCoy, who is just iconic and has waited 28 years to call a finals series again and has never called a championship. Um, right. You know, I know it's been under the kind of different circumstances with the restrictions with COVID and all that stuff that sort of created this. It's not the the most ideal atmosphere to be covering a team, but um, it would be pretty awesome. It'd be very, very cool. I mean, that's that's the one thing about all of this that that I think has been so inspirational is that the Valley has kind of rekindled its love um, for yeah. sports in general. You know what I mean? Like we all have a passion for, for the, the, the local. Though, so. it, it has always been a sports town for sure. But you know, when, when teams are not good, it's more of the opposing teams, sports town and a mix of everything as opposed to just one team. And with this Suns team, this run 
It is all sons. It is all sons. All Everywhere sons, you go all is all time. sons. I think I saw maybe five total jerseys uh, from the opposing team the other night when we went to the game. Um, yeah. it, it's just it's all sons, and everybody's bringing back those memories from '93 and you know the seven seconds or less. And the sons are the original franchise. This is what this this city was really built on. And it, that, that's what's so, you know, warming to the heart is to see everybody kind of come together and rehash, like, all the great moments of Suns history. And we're sharing one as we speak. Right. What's and, and wild I, for me is just how fast this is happening. You know, like, yeah. uh, the 80s team, like the the Tom Chambers team, they kind of built toward it. Yeah, they they did pretty well for a year. Then they did really well. And then they wrote it all the way through Charles Barkley. And people had time to build up. This is happening so fast. So, Gina, I've got a question for you. Um You've been around, obviously. You're uh, like you said, you grew up here, <clears throat> um, and I know none of us can really speak to the '70s teams or anything like that. We're not quite that old, um, but do we? Where, do you think? Where do you think this team ranks talent-wise compared to the '93 team, compared to the Steve Nash teams, compared to even maybe if you think um, the Tom Chambers KJ teams were better than '93, which? Is hard to debate, but just in case, you know, where do you think this yeah. team ranks? Yeah, and, and it's just, it, it depends on how you evaluate it. Yeah, if you just go by talent, um, it's it's so hard too because, so you know, obviously Chris is at the, the end of his career or the latter stages of his career, but everybody else, when you look at the core guys on this team, it's like they're just at the start of their career. So what is, where it's like, okay, well, there's not an MVP on this team. Well, maybe Devin Booker will be an MVP someday. Or, oh, there's not a, you know, uh, they're, they're, they've got the two all-stars, but, you know, maybe DeAndre Ayton or Mikhail Bridges will become an all-star. And then you'll look back and say, wow, that team was was stacked. And so I don't know, like you said, I, I just, I think this team is going to have such a, a special place just because of the, the 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 fast quality, like you said. I mean, I, I've said this multiple times over the past week is that we're still not even a year away from the start of the bubble. Like we're not right. even this is so you're thinking, because I, I think we we calculated in our head that basically the day of game one was either the day that the team left for Orlando or like shortly after, or like the, the team was in Orlando practicing and quarantining right now, this time a year ago, they hadn't yes. even played a game. Um, so the fact that this has happened in basically 11 months or in, in less than a year is just, it's absurd. Um, and, and yeah, you look at, you know, that, like you said, I, we can't really speak to the seventies team, but um, like my parents remember those teams really well. And they were like, you know, kids growing up in Phoenix at the time. And that team was so special because it helped legitimize Phoenix as a big city, which again, sounds crazy now or the fifth largest market in the country. But uh, back then in the seventies, it was kind of this, like sleepy little city, but you know, that, that helps show that, that Phoenix was a, a legitimate city you, you look at, yeah, the 80s and 90s and kind of building to bringing Chuck in and then here they they take off. But, you know, this it, this team, it's like we're, we're going to remember it for the bubble. We're going to remember it for that momentum creating the Chris trade. We're going to remember it because of COVID. We're going to remember it because of, you know, sort of the world coming back just as the playoffs were starting and fans being able to come back in the building. We're going to remember it as – Chris getting to the finals for the first time paired with this young core that who knows what they're going to be in, in five, 10 years when, when they go through their entire career, it's just, it is such a unique um, group of people that 
I, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to compare directly to different eras and, and different circumstances, but this is like the most unique situation that I think could have unfolded for this team, the crazy situation that could have unfolded for this team. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm going to remember is like everything that happened with this team that has now led us to this point and, and we'll see. It's going to take us a little while to actually digest all of this. You know, it's like we're going to need the summer to read. To oh yeah, I forgot about that. Oh yeah, right. Oh, yeah. So in the chat said, I, "I this team would crush the seven seconds or less team because they play defense." That's a great point. That this is the this is the first time that the Suns have ranked in the top ten in defense in like twenty years or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that is a difference with this team is that they do play both ends of the court and maybe. Maybe the offense doesn't – I mean, I was going to say, maybe they don't have a Steve Nash type of hello. They do have a Hall of Fame point guard <laughs> and one of the best of all time. It's like, I, yeah. yeah, it's just it, – it is – it's it's pretty when, – when you do think about what we're actually watching, it's like, yeah, this is like historic stuff that is happening. So You, you mean those it, Dragon Bender teams weren't in uh, high in the <laughs> defensive rating? So? You, <laughs> you shut your mouth when you talk about Dragon <laughs> Bender on this program. Uh, Gina, uh, we look forward to uh, reading the book that y you inevitably are going to write about this, Ron. Uh, I think <laughs> I said that the last time. Your mouth to up there, yes. Uh, make it, let's make it happen because that's the only way we're going to remember these last 11 months because it's been that hectic and that crazy. We need to remember every little bit uh, of what we've experienced. We have taken far too much of your time, and I know you probably need to go see the bronze fawn statue and get a brat before <laughs> before <laughs> practice and experience all that is Milwaukee. Uh, so we will, we will allow you to do that. But before you get out of here, can you please let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter and then uh, and just plug anything you want because you you've earned more than that here today. Sure, sure. Well, you can find my I'm on Twitter at Gina Mizell, G I N A M I Z E L L. Uh, like I said, what I, I am working on a, a book, Chris story that will either be up probably later today or tomorrow. Um, leads perfectly after you know their their start to this series and, and yeah on the, on the book thing. Um, I, I won't say that anything is imminent or for sure, but I would be lying if I said it's not something that I have, you know, thought about myself and have have shared with like do a it. Group of people. I, I would love to do it. Well, let's put do it that it. way. I don't, do even, it. Do I don't it. even know how that works. Like I need to talk to some friends who have written books and like, I don't know how that works, but I would, I would love to do it. Well, so I'm putting it out to the universe right now that I would love to do it. I think that would be a really cool way to, to kind of commemorate commemorate and capture what this whole year has been like. So well, Al, write, Al writes the forward. There I think you that's go. the oh, oh my gosh, yes. You're putting great ideas in my head. So well, yes. That's, that's <laughs> what Espo does. That's what Espo does. I've got a million great ideas and no talent to execute on it. So I share it with others. <laughs> there you is, go. The, is the way to do it. Gina, thank you so much. Enjoy your time in Milwaukee and do us a favor and bring Mr. Larry back with you when you come great. home. Yeah. I, that would be what a time what a time we're living in that we can even talk about that and it's not absolute crazy town so i love it love it love it thanks guys appreciate you guys having me thank you we we appreciate gina as always definitely check her out on suns.com uh follow her on twitter one of my favorite follows and, and gentlemen i think not a better guest to have on because she brings that same perspective of having been in this town and understanding what this means uh, to to the Valley and, and to all of us. So always a pleasure to talk to her. Let's shift gears and talk about game 
one and game two. I know we've done some post-game shows, but I want to hear what were your impressions from the first few games of the NBA Finals. Dave, let's start with you. What are your biggest takeaways? My, my biggest takeaway is, and I know some people are going to take this in a negative way, and I don't want it to be taken that way, but this team wins like the Spurs beat the Suns in those seven seconds or less years. Um, this team wins in so many different ways. They play defense. They uh, Somebody put out a stat that the Bucks should have won the game the other night because they took better quality shots. I don't know, but they missed more and the Suns made more. It's like the Suns figure out how to win. In game one, they won without making their threes, and it was the Bucks who made all the threes, and the Suns won by 13. In game two, the Suns made all the threes, the Bucks did not make all the threes, and the Bucks dominated in the paint, and the Suns still won by 10. So my big takeaways are, if I'm the Bucks, I'm like, what the hell is going to work? And the only thing that's going to work is work is the Suns really not being 100% there and the Bucks being 100% there, like the Clippers in Game 5. That's the kind of game the Suns will lose in this round. I don't see the Suns losing in a, when they're really playing hard and focused. That's my big takeaway. So, oh man, there's so many. Uh, but the the two I kind of lean lean on are how how good the Suns are, point blank. I think we need to lead with that. The Suns the Suns are the reason why the the Bucks are down 2-0. It's not because the Bucks are playing poorly. It's because the Suns are making them play poorly. I will say that. Um, I just I just think overall execution wise, it's it's dude, it's not it's apples to oranges. The way the Suns are executing on their end of the floor, the way they're, you know, every it's, I don't know about you guys, but I'm almost 99.99% confident that after every timeout, after a Bucks run, Monty's going to draw something up where they're going to get a great opportunity for a bucket and it comes at a clutch time. And it's, and it, and, it, and, and it's always happened. I, I can't even think of a, of a timeout where they didn't execute coming out. Um, and they just they just have that knack for always, 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 just like the Spurs that you mentioned there, Dave, whenever the Bucks would go on a run and it looked like they were right there, you know, down by six or down by five. And, you know, they got an opportunity for a big bucket to really cut that lead down closer. The Suns come up with a big three or a big shot or some big play that turns the momentum right back in their favor. And that's what good teams do. So that's my that's my that's one of the two biggest takeaways. The other thing is, is. The Bucks have not shot well. They have not, um, especially the two other stars that you that they need to rely on to help Giannis. Um, when Giannis is playing on essentially, you know, seventy five percent of his of his left leg or whatever, um, you gotta you gotta expect more from your team. And that's what I think is more disappointing about Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton is that they knew that Giannis isn't a hundred percent all the way. Right? Giannis hasn't done that Euro step this entire series he's gone once he makes a decision to go one way he stays yeah. that way he doesn't try yeah. to bounce back because he doesn't have that power in his leg and these guys have not shown up to help him out in the nba finals on the road where you know you need to step up so i expect that to change and you know i'm not i'm not going to pee on anybody's parade and i said this the other night but this sun's in four stuff i just was like it, it was it was almost cringe for me because i was like dude you know like you're you're discounting the fact that the Bucks are a really really good team, and and I know the Suns are hot, and I know people are excited, but I could easily see a scenario where the Bucks play like they they played in the last round. You know, Chris Middleton can shoot the lights out when he's on, and I know the Suns' defense is is really good, but 
he's missed a lot of open shots as well. And yeah. he just hasn't got the rhythm going for whatever reason. I expect that to change to a degree in Milwaukee. How much it will change, I don't know. I feel good about the Suns' opportunities in this in the series. I think they're going to win it. I, I I'm I'm fairly confident that they're going to win it. But at the same time, I'm not trying to put my my cart before the horse, man. You know, we we've been down this road too many times as Suns fans, and I just want to be like, hey, enjoy every game. But the Suns and Four stuff, well, man. Come dude, on, dude. If you're if you're worried about putting your cart before the horse, then uh, you're if you do it, my cart's already there. Uh, the Suns are going to win this thing. They're going to oh, win God. this thing. Uh, I'm going on record. How they win it? If it takes seven games, it takes seven games. But they have too much clutch in them, oh. unless there's a big injury. Oh, cards there. It, still, still, I just I, too many wounds. I got so many scars yeah, that remind me of the I stories feel. of the Dude, past. I've been a fan exactly longer than either of you guys. I've got scars it. too, but I, the cart is there. It's already. I get it. There. You. Uh, and and I'm, I'm you've very... only been a fan longer because you've been alive longer. That's the only reason. <laughs> That's Dave. literally, Dave. literally the point. So. Dave, Dave, I've been a, I've been a fan Jim my whole Rose life, Circus just like has you. Been around longer than bo- all of us. So look, I am I I understand. And Dave, I'm there mentally. I just have this hang up of of saying it like that out loud. I'm not saying sons in four. I'm not saying sons in uh, five. I'm not, not saying sons in six. I'm saying sons in some fashion before the series is over sons and whatever it takes you know that's that's been what i've been saying sons and and nine guaranteed bobby marks baby sons and nine bobby marks Uh, look i i'm there with you dave i have the confidence in this group and the reality is they have to go two and three the rest of the way they have to play sub 500 basketball to win a championship but to saul's point this is a Bucks team who lost at one point in the second round by 49 points to the Nets and still bounced back. Yep. They have been pronounced dead so many okay. times in the in this uh, in this playoffs, right? Uh, they have and they've been grazed. They have not, nobody has had the kill shot on the, on these Bucks, right? I'm going to turn the page a little bit, man. I'm going to turn the story a little bit. The Bucks beat the Nets in seven games when all they had was Kevin Durant and a bunch of role players. And that frankly, um, uh, Joe Harris played like a guy named Joe Harris. And that was really sad. This is true. This is true. The the Nets did not show up. Kevin Durant tried to carry those guys and they still only beat the Nets because Kevin Durant wears a shoe one size too big for his foot. Yeah. Okay. That's the only reason they beat the Nets. So the Bucks beat an injured team. If the Suns are going to get crap for beating injured teams, the Bucks should get crap for beating 100%. injured teams. And the Bucks did not do it anywhere near as convincingly as the Suns did. The Suns swept, the, or not swept, sorry. The Suns beat these other teams handily. Nobody could say that these teams were robbed in the series. They're, they're trying to compl- claim injury. The Bucks barely beat these teams. They, they beat the Hawks. They had a shadow Trey Young. They beat the uh, the Nets with a shadow James Harden and only a Kevin Durant. So, look, yes, um, the Bucks did come back from getting pasted in the first two games of that of that series, and absolutely, the Bucks have resilience. They're strong. They're good. They're good enough to win a couple of games. They're not good enough to win four of the next five. I, I think that it, uh, that's correct. I, I think when you look at this, 
the defense of the Sun, saw you made this point. I don't think they're getting enough credit for why Drew Holiday and, and Middleton, Chris Middleton, haven't shot well in these first two games. Everybody's like, well, they're just cold. I'm like, yeah, maybe they're playing a great defense, too. Did anybody think about that portion? No, absolutely. You know, the Suns' yeah. frenetic pace, especially Mikael Bridges on, on, on these guys, especially Chris Middleton in game two, um, it bothers you. It bothers you to the point where it throws your rhythm off. And so, yeah, Chris Middleton was missing some open shots the other night, but that's also because he was he was out of rhythm because he was having to speed up his pace of play because he's worried about Mikael coming off that screen and catching up to him to deflect his shot or, you know, bother him in some way. Like that definitely has a part to play in this. But at the same time, like you do have to acknowledge that these are professional scorers, especially Chris Middleton, who's an all-star. Like he hasn't played up to his level of play, even in game one, when he had 29 points, I didn't even feel like Chris Middleton was a factor in that game. I just felt like he was just another dude. He wasn't efficient either. I mean, yeah. so and he's, and when the Bucks have won, him. he's efficient. I think it's yeah, he shot forty eight percent from the from the field and forty two percent from three when they win. He's you know efficient. Why, yeah, you know why Chris Middleton didn't look like he was really there, even though he shot well in the first game, is because the whole team, even though they shot almost fifty percent on threes, they were only doing it when they were down double digits, and that's why mm-hmm. it doesn't look impactful. He wasn't doing it to get his team up. That happens. We're used to it. We yeah. saw Devin Booker do it for years. Yeah. <laughs> true. Very yeah. true. Very true. I, I we know what think, that looks like. <laughs> I actually think he is is similar to Booker. Uh, he's just a a step down. It's like he Booker's the Coke. He's the RC Cola version uh, yeah. of it. But he has that potential Booker's to have Coke a crazy classic. game. He's new Coke. A yeah. new Coke. Also. <laughs> I just want to throw this out there. I'm fully on board with Giannis having fucking 75 points in a game as long as yes. the rest of the team is performing the way they are and so far so good. Giannis has played very, very well. He might be the best player in this series so far, especially in game two for sure. <laughs> and they still lose by double digits. Like, hey, go ahead and eat, big guy. I don't care. Everybody else, you're starving. That's how so, it's going to go. Saul so will be donating to Swears for Kids in Greek currency today in honor of Giannis. What is that uh, currency, Espo? I, I don't. Is it the euro? I don't know. I, I don't think I, it I, is. I don't. <laughs> I don't know what Greece is. I, I don't know. Euro. I don't know. I, I know. I back, really got to find out. Look, look back in back no, in the Italian, day, my, dude. That's not Greek. My, that's my class. He, he's making fun of me. I assume. That's, <laughs> it, 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 that's if I were Mario. That's what I'd sound like. Look, I I know. I know. Back in the day, uh, in the classics era, it was they paid with olive oil. So you can pay in olive oil if you'd like, in in Greek. But look, I, I look at this and I really hope. And Coach Fallen Founder says I was right. It is the Euro, as does it Jim Rose. Nice. So, and uh, Dave King trying to make bad jokes in the chat. Oh I won't God. say that. No one um, it's not it the loud. Euro, Dave. It's not the Euro. It's the Euro. All right. Uh, but they fold when you, it. All their money is folded. folded. When you look at this, the culturally sensitive uh, sun solar panel, uh, send all your emails to <laughs> Dave King at brightsideofthesun.com uh, if you have complaints. Uh, and I don't actually think that email works. So Cultural insensitivity for kids. Yeah. <laughs> look, uh, <laughs> when when you look at this, I hope in game three, Coach Budenholzer overreacts to how well the Sun shot the three, right? And mm-hmm. and either opens up DA and overreacts to the way DeAndre Ayton didn't show up in in game two. 
because then they'll try to take away the mid-range. They'll try to take away the three, and that gives DeAndre Ayton the path to have a ginormous game, which is the, the one thing we haven't seen yet is the massive offensive game from DeAndre Ayton. And, and I, I feel like that's where we may be heading soon. I, I a thousand percent agree with you, Espo. I feel like I I'm just gonna say this. I think the Suns sweep. I will say this. I think the Suns sweep if DA comes out in game three and goes absolute ape, you know what? Um, I just feel like that that'll be the nail in the coffin for the Bucks because they truly will not have any other answers after that. Um, that is the one thing that I feel like we've been missing a little bit is DA's strong performance. And let's be honest, like even offensively speaking, um, I think we've gotten glimpses of him being able to put just a, a, a total game together. Um, but I think I, I think it was the Clippers game where he he finally hit a shot outside of the key. Um, and it was just so smooth and it was a, a nice buttery velvet shot, as Gina would say. Um, and and it was it was it was net. And you just felt like, man, D.A. has arrived. You know what I mean? I'm I'm waiting for that game again. I want that game again from DA. I think it's there. I want to see it, and I think it could happen. Um, and if it happens in Game Three, see you in Milwaukee. You can go eat all the cheese you want. But look, I I think that Monty Williams set him up to have that game in Game Two. We all saw that DA got in his head. He got a few shots blocked. Things weren't going his way. And he got down on himself, and we haven't seen that in a while. And Monty Williams came through in such a big way to lift him up. And luckily, ABC and ESPN were there to actually catch the audio. Look, this, this is the deal. One, we're getting back in transition. You don't have Giannis find a man and be a guard. Two, look at me. You set a high level for yourself. That's why you're down. That's great. Now go reach that level. Okay? And you can reach it with force. Doesn't have to be stats all the time. Go dominate the game with force. Okay? Because you set a high level for yourself. Go dominate the game with force. Let's go. Go dominate the game with force. Go. That Devin has be legendary tattooed on him. DeAndre needs go dominate the game with force. He needs to remember that Monty Williams yeah, in that moment after domination. So domination, that's what he's, he's got. Yeah. I mean, you're right. And, and this is that right there is why Monty Williams is my coach of the year. That's why yeah. Monty Williams is a motivator of men. That's what the Milwaukee Bucks don't seem to have on the other side. And that's no disrespect to Mike Budenholzer. It's just, that's not the kind of coach he is. That's the kind of coach Monty mm -hmm. is, and it's the kind of coach this team needs, and in particular, DeAndre Ayton needs. And when I heard that, because we were all at the game, so none of us, I, I don't believe, saw that live on the broadcast. But when I got home and I saw that, that, that was where I went, okay, game three, in all likelihood, is going to be DeAndre Ayton's game because mm -hmm. how could you not be motivated to come out and dominate uh, after after hearing that from your coach and knowing that the world just saw it as well. Well, I think there's a couple things to this, right? You got Monty. And then also, you know, you saw the clip after the game of uh, D.A. hugging his baby, you know, playing with his baby after the game. And I just think those two things, right, um, you know, it, it makes you grow as a man, right? It makes you grow as a man and it makes you uh, kind of – compartmentalize what's really important versus what's not really important. And he was playing, he wasn't playing up to his own standard, as Monty said. I just love the way that Monty approached that. 
he could have been like, hey, suck it up, you know, or whatever. You know, I, we had Quentin Richardson on uh, yesterday on, on a Valley Sports Show, and Quentin made a great point. He was like, listen, there's a many, there's a lot of different ways to go about this. And you can chew a guy out or you can say, hey, suck it up. But Monty has this uncanny way of being able to identify with you as, as a person, as a person, and say, hey, man, I care about you, and this is the standard, and this is the standard that you've set. Not that I've set, not that Chris has set, not that Devin set. It's that you've set, and you're disappointed, and that's okay. It's 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 okay to acknowledge that you feel bad about this, but at the same time, I need you to get past it to a degree to where you can elevate your level of play because the game's not over, and there's still plenty of time left for you to be able to bounce back. And that's exactly what Da did right after that. In that fourth quarter, he was great. He was great in that fourth quarter. Played very well defensively. Had a huge block. And I just, you know, when I see Monty do that, it just it's like, man, it, it it stirs like an emotion inside of you. Like, man, I love this guy. I love this guy. And he's the perfect coach at the perfect time for this team. I've said that a million times. It's just it was beautiful to watch that. And and he straddled that line of both calling him out and motivating him, which is that it's such a thin razor blade to kind of tap dance on if you're a coach. Because he was he basically said, you are not living up to the potential you set for yourself, but that doesn't mean you can't still. And, and I just, I love that. I'm a sucker for a good motivational speech mm -hmm. or quote. And Monty Williams continually comes up with those where I'm like, if Monty Williams wanted to record like 30 of those, and I woke up to one of them every day, yep. every month, I yep. would be, I'd pay yep. a good top dollar for this. Yep. Exactly. No, what's great about Monty is that, is that, they're impromptu they're you know that that motivational speech he did at the end of the bubble saying we've got to you know set you know, be in control of our own destiny going forward mm -hmm. um this one here to uh da those are those are impromptu he hasn't practiced those he didn't script them you know he just did them and that's what makes him so great i I'm not a big fan of those canned motivational speeches, the speakers who practice those presentations all over the world. Um, I like guys like Monty who just, yeah. they make a huge difference, give you goosebumps just off the top of their head. They just didn't even plan for it. That was awesome. Well, gentlemen. Dave, Dave, wait, hold on, Dave. Do you have something for us? I do. Please. Maybe. Dave, stop me. Mm. Not a oh, Saturday dude. morning without that. <laughs> yes, baby. Who just grunted? Every that Saturday was me. Morning. That was Espo. <laughs> I don't want to know why you grunted. But okay, so Devin Booker right now has 490 points in his first playoff series ever. He's only 31 points or his first playoffs. Points away. First playoffs ever. Yeah. Because if he had 490 points in his first playoff series ever, I'd be like, holy crap. <laughs> He's nine points Let me tell you game. why it's holy crap. Even when it's first playoffs, period, is that he is the only guy. He's 32 points away from scoring more points than any player in NBA history in what? their first playoff run. Yeah, it's oh, okay. insane. That's crazy. In their first playoff run, more points than any player in NBA history. Think and He's only think about that. points away. He could break that in Sunday's game. Who, who's the one that owns the record? Is that yes. Lou Alcindor? Nope. It's Rick Underhand, Barry, isn't underhand, it? Underhand uh, free throws, right? Oh, Rick yeah, Barry. Barry. Wow. Rick Barry. Yeah, I mean, cool. Julius Irving has 518. Uh, Rick Barry has 521. Devin Booker now has 490. I mean, so all he needs is 32 points. List. 
That is insane. But we've always said he's built for this. He's we've always said he's built for this. I don't know. Not everybody believed he was built for this, but I did, and I argued for it even months ago on one of these shows. But anyway, that's why we set the us. You and I, we have always said this in the four and a half years we've done this program. We have always said that Devin Booker is built for this. Yes. Saul's only been here for the good times. We remember the dark days. No, but again, I, I, you know, I'm going to go, I'm always going to go back to this. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if the pressure is going to be too much for somebody or not. That's why I said, I always wanted to see what it was like in in the playoffs. And after game one against the Lakers, I was like, okay. Okay. You just abstained. Oh. Ready. What you did. You didn't. Yeah. You didn't decline. You just abstained. That's fine. Yeah. I'm not the, the sons. Of, I'm you're not, not putting the card not, in front. My card's exactly. already there. I'm not the sons and four guy. I'm not. I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. I'm glad <laughs> well, because, he was right. By the way, that's why he's a legend. Look. Oh, God, look. Legend. Here we go. He, he assaulted somebody. Let's. <laughs> not, yeah. Again, yeah. He assault, he's a legend because he punched somebody and then drunkenly said when they already had a three-game lead, that they were going to win in four. It's not like he predicted it before on, the series. You guys know full well he's going to be on the cover of Gina's book. No. Oh, you know full well. no, no, there's no. not a chance in the world Dave, that's going to happen. <laughs> Dave, he'll be on the cover of your book. But, I, Dave, I, I feel bad. Be, actually. <laughs> I feel just bad kidding. because I've, I've given Gina book ideas, but I have one for you, too. I want your book to come from a different perspective. I want your book to tell the story through the eyes of the fans, through different fans shut up. who've experienced shut up. this. Shut up. I'll shut up. Don't talk. No, okay, I'm up. done. Jesus. I'm done. That's, that's why that's, you're that's, trying to give away all the good ideas. I'm also, not, Dave Wigton in the Dave Wigton in the chat. My first poster was an Eddie Johnson poster at my very first son's game. So go away with that stuff. Saul loved Eddie all, all, all greased up in the short no, no. shorts. Saul's been Jesus. around forever. He's just been on solar panel for the good time. Yeah, we're like, the ones on who were here Saturday mornings in August doing fucking solar panel shows. And just <laughs> last year, we put Ryan McDonough on trial for three weeks. Which was And I genius. dressed up in a purple outfit to do the prosecution. It was awesome you you showed up dressed like the joker i was wearing a suit jacket a tie and son's basketball shorts and sweating my ass off and we gave the people what they wanted entertainment that's what we gave them speaking of giving the people what they want let's head to our favorite new segment of the show it's major props brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. DraftKings, i gotta read here for you somewhere here we go DraftKings, major props. That's why I was waiting for the logo to be up. Sorry, there. yeah, I was. So That's slow the key on of talk. sponsorship. Because people, <laughs> people are calling me bandwagon. They say I'm a typical U of A fan because I just showed up during the good times. I'm like, dude, I showed up and the good times happened. That's what hey, happened. Hey, he Saul Saul followed U of A football too, and there hasn't been good times there ever. Dude, so. Seventy to seven. Yeah, yeah please. <laughs> so, so McGregor versus Poirier three is all set for UFC two sixty four. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with a DraftKings line. Up on the line, DraftKings, the official fantasy draft partner of UFC, is giving you a huge cash prize opportunity. Huge. Huge. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is 
easy to play. Yeah, that's right. It's easy to play because you don't have to get punched in the face like the fighters. You can just sit back and watch the fight. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. It's McGregor versus Roy Poirier, the rubber match. Get it on. Get in on the action now. Download the DraftKings app and use promo code TBPN or promo code Dry Heat uh, for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code Dry Heat to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Gentlemen, the segment is easy, but you probably forgot what it is. It is major props brought to you by DraftKings. I'm going to throw out some prop bets coming into game three. I want to know if you would put a mortgage payment on this going into the game Ooh, and which way you would bet. Ooh. Will DeAndre Ayton have, 12 point, have more than 12.5 rebounds? Yes. Jesus. I would put a in mortgage payment game? on that. And yep. the next game, game three. Yep, I would. Yeah, why not? <laughs> What's life without a little bit of mystery here? He, he's going to go I mean, dominate the force. Yes, give me give me 13 or more rebounds on that. Devin Booker, two and a half three-pointers made. Would you bet that he will have more than that? A mortgage payment, Saul, yes or no? Yes. Oh, wait, wait say that again? Sorry. 2.5 three-pointers. Will he have more than that? Ooh. Wait, who? Um... I don't think I would bet on that. Yeah, I'm not taking it either. No, because he just did seven last game. So, no. I'm yeah. Not. yeah. He typically goes back to the mid-range again. I'm feeling saucy. I'm going to say he has three, and I'll take your money. Oh. So, <laughs> and then, will Chris <laughs> Paul have a combined, have more than a combined 35.5 points, rebounds, and assists in game three? For me, oh, this that, is a no-brainer. So yes. the, yeah, yeah, because that's yeah, like no 10, 10 and ten. You know, yeah, it's, it's a, a no-brainer. Yeah, for sure. That, that's the easiest one. I, I, I actually, I'm waiting for Chris Paul to have a triple double again. Uh, he he has his assists haven't haven't been as high as they normally are. That's I, true. I I just I he's gonna mess around and get a triple double at some point in this series, right? I mean, I, I feel like it, and and that just seems like a low number. So yeah, I'll bet I'll bet a mortgage payment. Dave, are you willing to sacrifice uh, not being able to afford the mortgage in August for that one? Well, I tell you what, for the uh, losing on the DA rebounds, I'll get it back on this Chris Ball prop bet. So I'll be <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Look at that, Dave. Uh, Dave willing to put him and the fiance out in the cold if uh, if necessary to make a little Man, money on. The, I could uh, lose three months worth of mortgage payments in these bets. <laughs> they, they better play well. Uh, hey, hey, whatever it takes to 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 get a just game. my luck. Cam Johnson right? will have a thirty point game, and everyone else will just watch. <laughs> They'll win and none of these things will happen. <laughs> that would be about right. That's how this team worked. So let's, uh, you know, Dave, you sent over an interesting article. I believe it was the New York Times. Is that correct? Uh, that about oh, DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, yeah. it's a general, in yeah. general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, but, but it wasn't Mark Stein. It was this Sopan Deb guy. Yes. Yeah. It was a, a a different Mark Stein. All the respect in the world, Mark Stein, and and yeah. the best writers in the world understand what's going on here. But we've seen a lot of storylines where they project DeAndre Ayton as some traditional center, as if this is we're back to 
a guy with his back to the basket, slamming the ball into the ground uh, and, and scoring that way. And as if he's some plotting, slow, unathletic guy, I do not understand this, this perspective because if you watch any game other than game two of, of the finals, this playoff run, you see a guy who is the epitome of what the future of the center position should be. Athletic, can shoot, has touch, can play well under the rim, rebounds, like it's, it's, and plays fantastic defense. Uh, and can run the floor. I don't. I don't understand where this idea that DeAndre Ayton is a conventional center has come from. Old school. The guy said, "Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the link in the in the chat here." Um, old school. They called him slow. They called DeAndre Ayton. You know what else is even more egregious? They said Robin Lopez is a modern center. Brook, you mean? I'm sorry, Brook. Brook Lopez. They're calling Brook Lopez a modern center in DA old school. Just because people have not watched basketball. I mean, yes, because he takes three pointers. That's 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 so lazy. That's just so lazy. That so lazy. Like that's a that's basically an analytical position. That's all that is. It's Mm -hmm. it's somebody saying, oh well, Brook Lopez shoots three, so that that fits more into today's trends. Okay, but that doesn't mean that Da isn't is a traditional. Uh, center. The way he runs the floor is unlike a lot of other players in in the NBA at his position. David Robinson ran the floor like he does, right? But he's like one of the few. Shaq in his early days, sure. But he's not a a pound you in the paint kind of guy. He's not a guy that just commands the ball down low. He does his job and he does it very, very well. And he gives his team exactly what they need, which is not the traditional sense of what a big man used to be. The, the big man used to be the focal point. It used to be the focal point. It's not anymore. And DA's not a part of that. So that's no. why I would completely disagree with why he thinks this is a, a traditional center. No, it's not. Some nights DA is, is the fourth option. He's not even one of the top three options on some nights. And I don't get – I think it's even lazy from an analytics perspective because analytics tells you close to the basket – and out at the three-point line is are, are the ba- baskets you should care about, right? DeAndre Ayton is shooting ridiculous, all-time highest percentage in playoffs. He's shooting by playing with near the rim. That doesn't mean that that it doesn't fit analytics. It doesn't mean that he couldn't shoot threes. It just means he's the most efficient player in playoff history. So why the hell would you want him to shoot threes? I just I don't understand. And anybody that looks at this, if you're going to tell me Brooke Lopez is is basically the insinuation is the better center for the future of the NBA, you're insane. I just I don't understand it at all. Sorry, this is somebody who hasn't watched any of the games, even if they watch the finals games, they would see that D.A. is not an old school center from the 90s. The dude literally said old school center from the 90s because of his shot profile being all close to the basket and not watching. Actually, watching Da, he must not have seen. He must not have seen Hakeem Olajuwon play because he was not close to the basket. Oh, yeah, and it was all it well, was all it. dream shakes. Al- and the guy only tangentially goes, "Oh yeah." And then there's Joel Embiid in the in the league these days. I'm like, would you call Joel Embiid old school? No, because he takes one three a game or something like that. So yeah. it's just ridiculous. Uh, uh, lazy. Da it's lazy is very unique, and he's doing exactly what this team needs. And the last thing they need is another. 
guy making 30% of his threes like Brooke Lopez does. I mean, <laughs> Lopez does make some threes, but the dude shoots 30% or less. You don't need that. Well, and they forget the gravity of DA opens it up like for those guys on the perimeter in the Suns lineup to hit those threes. Part of why they go 50% from the field is because uh, uh, the last game is because the focus part of the focus of the defense was making sure DA didn't get anything down low and they it, so they had open perimeter guys. I whatever. I I I think yeah. I've wasted enough breath on being confused by this uh this uh, position, but any, any other thoughts from you guys before we move on? No, My only other thing is I listened to some of those. Yeah. Thank you. Perplex. Good job. Thanks. Perplex. Um, the only other thing is I listen to these national podcasts and uh, they are still so uninformed about the sun. Oh man. So just so their takes are just so bad. Somebody just said, and I thought he was really good, um, but he just said, well, now that the Suns are going on the road, you know they're going to have a tough time keeping up. They're the best road team in the league. They want they have won more road games than lost in this they've, playoffs. They've closed every series on the road. Closed <laughs> every series on the road. They've won more than they've lost on the road in the playoffs. So, don't tell me the Suns are going to shrink in Milwaukee. They may not win both games, but they're not going to shrink. Well, I, I listened to uh, twenty minutes of the Bill Simmons podcast yesterday, and that thing is. Straight up trash, absolute trash. Bill Simmons, trash. You're trash, sir. Because the reason why is because they sat there and just talked about Milwaukee for the first 20 minutes, and he had a, some useless guest on at the beginning of the show who was a Milwaukee guy, and he was just sitting there talking about how basically the Milwaukee Bucks haven't been efficient, and that's the only reason why that they're losing in this series. Not the fact that they've been outplayed, not the fact that they've been out-executed, not the fact that Devin Booker and Chris Paul are better than Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Drew combined. No, it was all about Milwaukee and how inefficient they are. And then they followed it up by saying, but, you know, Milwaukee shouldn't even be here because they're not even, you know, they're not even a really good team. They're just fortunate enough to be here because everything went their way. And I'm like, well, you can't have it both ways. You can't sit there and say that they're inefficient, but yeah, they also suck, but it's not really the Suns' problem and the reason why uh, they're losing in this series. Like, you can't have it both ways. I just do not like that podcast at when, all. I don't even know why I listened to it in the first place. When you can't find us on Spotify next week, uh, you can send an email to Saul Bookman uh, since that Spotify owns the Bill Simmons show. So, <laughs> or if you can't find this episode, we'll send you an MP3. All right. It's just uh, lazy. Bill Simmons is yeah, no, lazy. His takes are lazy. And I he doesn't agree. do any research in any, any, he doesn't take any time to understand why the Suns are the Suns. He just wants to bash them because he's a freaking Celtics lover. But nobody has because in, in most cases, because they didn't think they'd have to. This Bill is Simmons, a surprise run. Bill Simmons is the Scott Foster of podcasts. <laughs> he he's gonna find some way to screw Chris Paul. Yep. <laughs> All right, <laughs> uh, that's fine. Look, I, I I love the passion and I understand it. I mean, the national media outside of our, our guy Kendrick Perkins who everybody thought was freaking insane the way he was yeah. talking all year about the Suns. Yeah. And this dude gets the last laugh, and you know what he gets rewarded yeah. with? <laughs> Having to sit in the heat in Phoenix and, and be sweating in a suit. Did you see that video clip yeah. the other day? Uh, yeah, like eight but, people trying to dry him off. Yeah, But Kendrick Perkins is the one guy that's looked at this and believed in it the entire time from a national perspective, and more power to him. I mean... Uh, you gotta, you gotta be impressed with what he's been able to do when nobody else looked at it. And to your point, 
Bill Simmons has treated this run as, oh, yeah, 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 and whatever. You know, we've heard other national voices. Dan Patrick's kind of done some of that, although he has a, a different tact, obviously, than, than others. You know, uh, Kevin O'Connor's another guy that that actually looked at it and, and has analyzed it and has, you know, has, has looked at the Suns as uh, as a real contender. You know, Raja Bell at times has, but but there's definitely a, a bias uh, because nobody expected to have to know much about the Suns. It was always, yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. they're going to drop go away off. Eventually. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this isn't important because no way they'll ever make it to a point where they're going to be that important. Well, guess what? They are. And you're all going to have like three months soon to research up on them. Uh, and hopefully they're the defending champs and you have to, you have to give, some respect and put some respect on that name because phx is for real in addition to that but like like stephen a smith right i i I appreciate what stephen a smith has done right because he too did not know much about this phoenix suns team he knew about devin booker and chris ball but as the playoffs has gone have gone along you could see stephen a was like bro like is anybody paying attention to this team because they are good and yeah. he's come aboard more and more. And after when you watch him in post game, he's like, "Dude, these brothers can ball just like that." <laughs> that is a pretty good impression. Look, also, uh, also, uh, obviously, our boy Bobby Marks has seen this coming, and he's told us for for years, you know, that that he saw this team being good. Uh, you know, Mike Wilbon is also. There's a lot of. I don't want to paint with a wide brush because that's when it's it's yeah. dangerous, and people do that to to Suns fans and. And podcasters too. It's like, oh, you guys are just homers, or, or you know, you get it the other way. Oh, you're all haters. I, I don't want to paint with a wide brush. There are very, very good professionals as well. Up, uh, Saicho uh, <laughs> dropped twenty bucks in. He's pre-purchasing uh, the book of Genius, and he's going to send it to Bill Simmons. Thank you. I, I an love autographed, that. an autographed copy. <laughs> we, That's right. We will do that. I, I love that. Uh, all Actually, right, Dave, Dave King, if you do write a book, you have to oh. do that. You have to do that, and then as the forward, put a picture of yourself. Put game. a picture of yourself in the forward, giving Dave uh, Bill Simmons the middle finger. Can, there you go. Can you? You've got. There's so many people <laughs> you have to have to send that to with uh, with uh, that have said this isn't a sports town. Uh, there's just all sorts of people that that you'll be able I to. Got fired up. I, got, I got fired up over that one. An autograph book. Uh, that says this wasn't a sports town. Absolutely, that person's <laughs> Dave, getting one. Dave, we will promote the crap out of your book. Don't you worry. It'll. We're hey, going no, to no. I'm not tour. saying anything. I'm not saying anything. I'm not putting shit out there. No. Look, if, don't no, jinx it. Don't jinx it. No, no jinx. I can jinx the Suns, but I ain't jinxing no, myself. No jinx it. <laughs> you can still write a book without them winning a championship if that were to ever happen. <laughs> I'm writing. I'm going to write a book about all the craziness that has happened on this yeah. show over four and a half go. years. Game three coming up. Oh, Sunday that, would be, that would sell like three copies. Hey. <laughs> I didn't say you it was to him. sell it. It was just. Saul like, wouldn't even buy it. I'd only be the last page. So. You'd be like, can I get that last chapter? I don't want any of that other crap that you guys did. Game three Final coming up on chapter. Sunday. Yeah. Uh, Sunday. Let's, uh, let's take a look at it. Preview it a bit. Uh, before I need some advice though, tomorrow is my 12th anniversary Ooh. with the missus. Ooh. Oh, how many Ooh. flowers do I have to get Ooh. to be in the clear when I spend two and a half hours watching a game Listen, and son. then potentially 
post game with you, Clouds. Listen, son, it ain't a day, man. It's a weekend. It just turned into the weekend for you. It oh, better start as, as, as soon as soon as we get <laughs> off of this podcast. You that the whole next like thirty six hours until tip is all about her, and I didn't mean tip as a pun. Okay. Hey. Uh, <laughs> oh. Hey. It brings just... us to our manscape, Dad. Manscaped. <laughs> if you have an anniversary this weekend and need to clean up the boys for whatever you may be doing for the Mrs. Anniversary and the lawnmower 4.0, you can get that and get it for twenty percent off by using the code Flaming Ballers at checkout. At manscaped.com. You get free shipping as well. It's 20% off and free shipping when you use the code Flaming Ballers for all your anniversary needs. Make sure that you're clean, trim, and looking good for your missus. Damn. I didn't actually set that up to do a manscaped ad, but so uh, hey. so I'll put it in there. Yeah. So, hey, uh, I'm like CP3 and you're like DA, baby. I just throw you, <laughs> you just finish it off. So, so what you're saying, and and actually, I do have today planned as a uh, as the beginning of the anniversary. I, I feel like if I give 24 good hours of effort, I'm all right to watch Game Three. I feel like that's okay, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you just give it 24 it. seconds. It's better than the 24 seconds oh. of effort you usually give, right? Well, oh. that, that's going to be part of the oh. evening after I ah. use Manscaped. Manscaped. Wish. <laughs> Code Flaming Ballers, 20% off. <laughs> Gentlemen, game three. Uh, Perplex, so, I don't know what spa. Are you in, uh, are you in uh, Iowa? Send her to the, send her to the spa. All right. For 20 bucks, that's, that's going to be uh, that's the tip. I may never see my wife again if I send her to her $20 spa. I give her 24 seconds just, of just, effort. Hey, just take, her, just take her to the mall and get her in one of those, you know, massage chairs. <laughs> you know, just keep Honey, feeding it. There's three hours worth <laughs> of this massage chair. Enjoy. People walk by. Perplexed damage gave us twenty bucks for it. Anyways, let's thank you so talk much, about Perplex. Game three. I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, Perplex. Yes, thank you guys. Game three, Sunday night. What are you guys expecting out of the game? And what adjustments, if any, do the Suns? We've talked about the Bucks a lot, but what adjustments, if any, do the Suns need to make to try to make this a 3-0 lead? Saul, you you go first. Um, okay. So I think the bucks are going to come out and they're going to, they're going to come out with their hair on fire or at least try to, but I don't think it's any different than they did in game two. They came out with their hair on fire in game two as well. And they, they got to a good start in game two. It just couldn't carry forward. Uh, and I think the same thing is going to be said in game three, the crowd is going to give them that extra little boost and that extra little lift to make that run last a little bit longer. But it's hard for me to expect outside of Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday like really balling out. Um, it's hard for me to see a scenario where the Suns don't do the same thing, where they just kind of stay their pace and keep you know wearing Milwaukee down and then finally taking the lead. And if that should happen in this game, let's say the Bucks get up by more than 10 points, right? Um, eventually, when the Suns kind of keep poking you, poking you, poking you, it's going to decrease that lead and and once they take that lead i don't think they're looking back um and if yeah. that should happen in this game i think that'll be it milwaukee if they establish a double digit lead they have to maintain that lead the entire time because if they give up that lead in any way shape or form it's over it's over so that's what i would look for dave yeah uh as far as game three whew, yeah at all i mean i had to see the sun's body language in the first quarter if the body yeah. language is is <clears throat> is focused and strong it doesn't matter what the Bucks do. 
Uh, they can get a 10 point lead. They can have, uh, or the Suns could lead from the tip. It doesn't, whatever, it's about the Suns' body language. If the Suns are going to play with effort and focus, they'll eventually win the game in game three. If they come out flat, we'll know it in the first quarter. I, I will say one more thing um, to kind of piggyback off of that point. Two guys that I'm watching for in game three, specifically Abdul Nader and Frank Kaminsky. One of those two are going to have to step up in the absence of Torrey Craig if he should not play tomorrow. Um, and they're going to get some minutes. How they perform in those minutes um, could be very crucial. So I, I would look. I think Frank's going to get the nod. Uh, I don't know why. I just feel like he's going to get the nod, and I hope he plays better than he has so far. Yeah. I, yeah, he's going back home. Do, yeah. Dominate with force, but be smart about it. With I think that's the key for Aiton. If he tries too hard and gets in foul trouble, you've opened up the largest path for the Milwaukee Bucks to to try to get a victory. Uh, if if Tory Craig can't play, or even if he's seventy percent with that knee, so uh, that's uh, that's just when you look at it, that I, I he has to stay out of foul trouble, and, and he's done it very well in this playoffs, but. He's going to be a key on both ends of the floor tomorrow. And, and Saul, you're right. Somebody's going to have to make up those minutes that you're not going to be able to uh, to play Torrey Craig if he's out, that obviously Sarge was was playing as well. Mm -hmm. Aiton has to take some of those. I think he's got to play more minutes the rest of the way to close this out. But then you're looking at Frank Kaminsky, Cam Johnson for me. Give Cam more minutes. Yeah. See what he can do. For Stretch sure. him. He's been That's great. That's what I would do. I would do the Cam Johnson minutes rather than Frank minutes. Yeah. Give me give me more Cam. And if he can't handle it for some reason, break glass in case of emergency. Turn Kaminsky Cove into emergency shelter. Like, if you have to do it. Uh, that's uh, – as much as I love Frank, I don't want major backup minutes going to him from the defensive perspective. It's a liability. Well, guys, we're really, we're really only talking about four or five minutes. Yes, so let's but those not four or five minutes can swing everything. It. No, so. I get it. I get it. I get it. But we're uh, just make sure that uh, the people who are yeah. watching here, listening, don't think we're talking about a major rotation situation. No. We're not, because um, we're talking about first of all, we're talking about Dario's minutes being backed up, and then Tori's inside of that. We're really only talking about a few minutes. Um, that isn't already going to be covered by the the, the usual guys. So yep. if Frank or Dooley get five minutes in this game because of that, they get five minutes in this game. Yep. I feel more bad for Javon Carter, but you know what? There's no one for Javon Carter really to defend um, in this. And uh, I, you know, he'll. I see that guy practicing his threes after every single game. He is he is fire from there. The only problem is you got to get him an open three. Yeah. And uh, he he just he doesn't have the handles to be able to be out there. Abdel Nader with with uh, Javon Carter on his shoulders. There's your backup center for those hey, five, four, <laughs> four or five minutes. Let's uh, let's make it happen. So guys, we have gone in much. <laughs> we, we've gone we have gone much longer than we ever had. Yeah. Right. Hopefully, we, that's the same thing the misses will say tomorrow. Hey. hey! About DeAndre Ayton in the game three. That's uh, sure, uh, sure. look whatever whatever you want, Espo. I'm gonna I'm gonna land this damn ship because we've You're done hundred DeAndre Ayton and the rest of the playoffs. You're gonna finish. We've done an hour <laughs> and twenty one minutes. We've done eighty one minutes 
of this program and it's devolving into things I'm uncomfortable talking about. All right. <laughs> and oh, and so I have sweet. about three hours of manscaping. I have to go do. So let's get out of here. That's just getting a spa day. Just brings the trip. Oh, yeah. okay. I got that 20 bucks. I got to go figure just out a spa to send the missus to. Just, so. just remember Espo, just head, head, you know, just trim the hedges. Don't scorch the earth. Okay. Oh, Thank you. And on that note, you can follow <laughs> Dave King at Dave King NBA. The NBA is, is there because Mr. Larry may be coming to Phoenix. And then you can follow Saul Bookman at Saul underscore Bookman. The the space is there to fit in that lawnmower 4.0 for Manscaped. You, go, you need baby. a little ledge to hold that bad boy, just like behind Saul in the background of his shot. Right but look at that. Manscaped getting so much love. You, you can go. fit Draft yeah. Kings in there too. All your right winners. You can the just 4.0, baby. In there as well. You can follow me at Espo. You can follow the show at Sun Solar Panel. We will be back live. Well, most of us, maybe I won't, but we'll be back live after <laughs> game three tomorrow night, Sunday. To talk we will more know about how your how your anniversary went, depending on whether you show up. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. So we will talk to you next time here on the solar panel. Ahoy hoy. Turn our energy the right way. We can make big things happen like tonight. Three-pointer. Pitch. Devin Bucker on fire. Crowder looking. Throws it. Alley. Oh! And he puts it down. He puts it down. And uh, I'm just so happy for all the people around me. You know what I mean? And to do it here in L.A. with the Clippers, that's my family too. We didn't want to do a game seven. We want to do it here tonight. Chris Paul is in the NBA Finals. What do you think when you hear that sentence? Man, it sounds damn good. Damn good. It's been a lot of work, man. <laughs>